the reason why I reached out to you is that you have an interesting story, obviously, and I would love to learn more about it. But maybe we can just start with the very brief version of your entrepreneurial story. Yeah, definitely. Means uh, I I always had a passion towards programming while I was a kid. So and it's my first encounter with entrepreneurship when somebody asked me to be an invoicing software for their shop. And this was back in 2001. So when I was just 14 years old and I, I got $100 for that. So that was like an eye-opening. I mean, it's, it's not the money. It's what the kind of the acknowledgement you get, right? When you build something, then somebody is used for their day-to-day -day purposes. And so that's where the entrepreneurial kind of uh, bug uh, bit me. And uh, I always wanted to do something. And when I completed my engineering back in 2007, I always built a lot of products in the side, I just kept building while I was doing my day job. So I built my, the, the second biggest project, which I did was when I was in engineering last year. So I built a, pro, a portal for engineering students and those guys, means we got over 100,000 registration. We were featured in the local newspaper, not, not the local newspaper, the Indian times of India newspaper so it, it was a huge deal and but obviously i didn't have that kind of vision as an entrepreneur and i didn't take that far it was an education basically edu tech right what what they call uh, nowadays but we didn't take it far and then eventually just now for fast forward to 2017 when i got to know about wordpress right and i think that was a little late in in the journey but a lot of people were already there in wordpress I did some work in PrestaShop the year before and did some flipping of sites, buying small sites, growing them, selling them for a couple of years and built some add-ons for PrestaShop. Then eventually figured out that WordPress is a big deal, right? And then that's why I, that's where I bought my from, from someone uh, who was selling on Code Canyon. And this was a security plugin. And it is very one of the most popular plugin in Code Canyon. And so I bought from him and then tried to grow it. And then I still have it. I'm planning to sell it in, I think, a couple of uh, weeks now. It is actually, I already have an LOI for that. And I have, means I've grown my money, which I invested. Obviously, even ROI is really, really good. So the overall uh, story is that now, Fast forward to 2022, I have a bunch of plugins in WordPress, which I've acquired in past three years. I have, I was working full day, like a daytime job. And then in the night I was working for myself, right? So just last December, just uh, 2021 December, I left my job and now I'm completely uh, on my startup and we are making enough money to sustain ourselves. We are lucky that way. And um, now we have a team of 30 plus who was basically managing the plugins. So it, it consists of engineering team, the support team, the marketing team. We have an in-house marketing team as well. writes content day in, day out. And yeah, so that's- What's, what's the ratio? What's the ratio between engineers, marketers? And I think 50-50. So 50% is engineering oh. and the rest is support and marketing. That's because awesome. WordPress, uh, if you know WordPress plugins, right? It requires a lot of support. And we also support our free users so that uh, they get the best out of our products. And then eventually that builds brand and, and loyalty towards, towards the product. Yeah, uh, this is incredibly fascinating. I had no idea 
you actually also started with website flipping. So maybe we can start there because this, of course, has been going on for a long time, but it's I feel like it's getting more and more popular. At least more people start talking about it and there are all these marketplaces that get hyped up. And I'm very curious how you stumbled upon that world because it's not a very natural thing. For most people, just build their own sites and try to grow them and monetize them and don't even realize there is this alternative framework where, yeah, you're, instead of starting from scratch, you just buy an existing site and then start yeah. from there. So mm -hmm. yeah, what was your entry point? Yeah, so... I built a lot of projects before flipping means from, I think all the way from 2007 to 2014 for seven, eight years, means I kept building projects and it never got any customers curated YouTube videos, uh, anything means you can imagine like a, uh, a book review site where people can post their reviews for books that also got uh, featured in a newspaper. Somebody reached out to me, but I never got that kind of traction. Right. And eventually I figured out that there must be some other way of building a site because I was not good at marketing. I was obviously by trade a programmer, right? I, I have that background. I can build products, but I cannot reach that customer. I didn't know that you have to find a problem and then build a solution. I, I always thought, let me just build a solution for myself and people will come for it. And then it's eventually, I don't know how I figured it out, but somewhere we, me and my brother was, uh, we were working together. We figured out there is a marketplace called Flippa. I, I, I'm not sure. Okay. So Flippa is one of the first marketplaces a lot of people know about back in, I think, five, six years ago. And we thought, oh man, we can buy sites for just $100 and it is completely built. Right? Those are starter sites. We didn't know what a starter site meant. Right? And it was as good as you building a site without any audience. Right? And then eventually... We figured out there is when when it when it makes money, you have to spend a lot of money to buy a site because you are you are buying their earning potential. You are not buying a product, you are buying a business, right? So that's that was the revelation for us. Yeah, that makes sense. And of course, yeah, Flipper was huge, is still huge, but it's declining. At least I looked at Google Trends recently and it's it looks dramatic. So I'm not sure what's going on on their own, but they yeah. seem to be shrinking. And I mean, a lot have to do with all these alternative marketplaces that like micro acquire empire flippers yep. and all the rest, which are probably eating their cake. <laughs> right. And that, that is one, one of the factor. Another thing is being a market leader, they didn't innovate, right? So their interface was, and then they didn't catch up the trend of startup, right? They, and so you can always find crappy sites there, people scamming people, things like that. Now, the thing which I noticed with Flippa is when you, there used to be a comment section inside every listing and then they got rid of it. So you can't just communicate publicly on, on a listing anymore. Now, you can just communicate with the seller, right? You can't just communicate with each other and then talk about the listing. That was, I think that was a turning point for Flippa. I don't know why they removed it. I think it was called like an option listing. They still may have an option listing, but they don't have this discussion angle for a listing. Yeah, I can imagine that it actually decreased revenue for them because obviously if everyone in the comment section is calling out all the scams and all the things that are wrong with a given listing, it's much more li likely that people won't buy it. But if you right. give 
yeah, if you don't have it, then you make more sales. And I'm pretty sure that this, at least in the short term, boosted revenue numbers for them. And yeah, at least it's one theory. Because if you can talk to people publicly, means you get help from people that this yeah. is a scam site or not. And then, then if you are not able to do that anymore, then you think, I'm not sure whether this site is a legit site, it's a scam site, right? So I think they didn't innovate. And then if you if you compare that with micro acquire, obviously the founder is doing a great job publicizing that. And it's really easy for a seller to list their uh, startup. And then Flippa, you have to pay a price. And if it doesn't sell, then you you're basically your money is lost, right? And also Flippa takes away 10 to 20% of your uh, sale price also. So that so these factors, including all these factors, I think micro acquire jumped on that trend and then somehow figured out a way for people to uh, completely change the game. There are two parts to the story, right? One part is definitely like the amazing marketing game of Andrew Gastecki. And the second part is right that he removed all fees, fees for sellers, right? It's completely free for sellers. And this attracts like, obviously then more deals, more deal flow on that side. And he only charges people who want to buy uh, stuff. So. Yeah, definitely a smart model and obviously it's working. But what, what I find surprising is the ratio between sellers and buyers on the platform. I don't know if you heard mm -hmm. the numbers, but it's yes, like 100K buyers. And if you look at the numbers of startups or websites that are actually sold per month, it's maybe a thousand, even less. Okay. So that, oh. that seems off, right? You have lots of potential buyers, but not that many sales happen and i can imagine that it's because like the number of quality sites that get listed is the bottleneck probably right and and the multiple crazy because i worked with initially if you believe it or not i was uh, i don't actually looked at arr i was just working with mrr and like i did 12x to 15x mrr that's it right so 1x arr to 1.25 1.5 yeah if you look at it and that was like my boundary and but that also one of the reason was that i was buying one off products right so on called canyon if you buy a, a plugin you don't need to pay for it again it's right it's just a, a one time yeah it's a one time sale and obviously i didn't know that right i i was i was a learner in that and then eventually i figured out there is a thing called saas and then SaaS is completely different, right? And you get paid every month and then there is a churn rate, whatever, right? And that decides the, the quality of the startup being sold on the marketplace. So means obviously means the marketplace actually doesn't even matter, right? It matters how you are able to pick up those gems, right? Most of those, most of my buys, cold, if you uh, believe it or not, means it is me reaching out to, to the seller. Yeah. Of not not even off market. They they didn't even plan to sell it. I just yeah. uh, emailed them. Hey man, this plugin looks great. Uh, if you have, I, I see that you are not able to maintain it. I see there are a lot of pending support. If you are ever looking out for selling this plugin, let me know. And then people say, no, I'm not looking to sell. And then eventually, after three four months, I'll get an email. And basically, I create my own deal flow. So that was I means I created my bots. I created. I scraped the whole wp.org, the, the, the repo. I also have an, uh, a bot right now, which gives me notification of new micro acquire uh, listings on Slack. So those kind of, you have to build your system, right? And then you grab that opportunity 
that this tool is something I'm really uh, interesting about. And then also it, the finances of that tool uh, matches uh, with your algorithm, right? You have something in mind that I can pay up to 24X or 2X ARR. Yeah. That's all you can afford. But then eventually, I think the more, uh, when, I, when you get more mature in flipping, then you tend to buy those sites, which has like a more upside potential. And then you start to think about, uh, you start to think like a VC that I want to have that kind of home run, which will, but then again, that, that is that, that falls into some kind of unrealistic goals as well. So you have to be realistic at the same time that even though the site has, doesn't have potential, it is a stable earning site. And that's how I have, that's how I have made my business so far most of my plugins were either declining when I bought it or they had a stable revenue. They didn't have a proper growth like a hockey stick. And obviously those sites are valued much higher, 5x, up to 10x ARR. So I'm starting to think maybe there is some merit to it, right? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And it's really smart that you build like these systems for yourself because on the marketplaces, the multiples are, especially right now, they are crazy. And to find good deals, yeah, you have to really find them yourself in most cases. I'm pretty sure also, yeah, like the numbers I just quoted, if you have 100k buyers on MicroAcquire looking for a good deal, you can, you're, you can be pretty sure that if someone lists that site there and it's good, he will get a lot of offers and this will drive the price up and it's very hard. And it's funny, actually, one of my first projects was actually a database people could use to find um, or that, make, that made it easier to find these kind of deals. It was, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, Product Explorer. And it was, it was actually acquired by MicroAcquire. It was not uh, He made it free, I think, right? What? He made it free, of course, for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Right? This was his, his, he used it as a lead fund for him. And right. that's, that's the story, but obviously it only captured a very tiny slice because there are so many ecosystems out there and you are laser focused on one ecosystem. You're doing WordPress and there are even for WordPress, different sites you can monitor like code Canyon, the WordPress, um, official.org repo, uh, repository. And I'm pretty not sure only there WordPress, are, yeah, there not are. only WordPress means we are focused on Shopify app. So we, means I, I bought two Shopify apps as well. And mm. those things are crazy valued now. And I'm glad that I bought two apps before the craziness started. The, I did the same thing. Means I have my system by talking to people. Hey man, this app is great, right? Things like that. And after that, MicroAcquire came in and then uh, completely changed the game, especially for Shopify apps. I don't, because there's a small community of Shopify apps. There are not many apps yeah. there. I think. Uh, 5,000 apps was there around a year ago, maybe now 6,000 something. And their app's really good. So we, the two apps which we have, one of the apps which we bought last has doubled in revenue in terms of MRR. But in terms of valuation, I think uh, it has shot at least five times, right? Uh, because of the way, because of the way now things are valued for. So, so it's a seller market. Just to change the gear a little bit of, of the of the of the conversation we are having. Mine, this year and next year will be more focused towards creating stuff because I have always been a builder, a creator, and I never found that audience. But now I have the audience. Now I have that kind of knowledge, how to gain an audience. So we actually built two apps, one for G Suite and one a SaaS product for WordPress called InstaWP. So these products, now we are gaining great, great traction from the audience we already have. 
And now you see how you can actually build kind of a layer, layered uh, foundation layer of means you having a knowledge. Second layer, maybe you already having a customer base. And then third, maybe your personal branding on Twitter. And then if you build a product, you already have an audience. So now people talk about build an audience, then the product. I think I'm going in that route. Let's see how, how it will go. But I think it's a seller market. And if you build something, let's say if it goes to 5K MRR, you can sell it for a really good amount. Yeah, definitely. I have no doubt about that. And what I'm very curious about now, because you obviously have a lot of experience with both of these things are firstly, how exactly you evaluate a given market and a given offer or app in a given market. What are you looking for in order to determine if it makes sense um, to buy this particular app and how to value it and all this stuff. But now and the second question then, how you go about finding ideas for new apps because on Shopify, as you said, there are not that many, but still, if you talk to people, they usually feel it's very saturated and in WordPress, it's even crazier. There are 100,000 apps or something like that. If I remember correctly, the number is crazy, crazy. So yeah. This, these questions are actually more relevant to me when we talk about WordPress. I come to that why I'm talking about it. So first of all, when I evaluate uh, something, I'm looking now when I'm a little bit more mature. Uh, previously, I was just looking at the revenue and the monthly, basically monthly revenue and the ask price. That's it. And it doesn't matter what kind of plugin it is. I just want to buy. I'll get my money back in 12 months. I'll keep earning after that. So that was like an initial thought process which came. Now, when I evaluate something, I mostly look at what kind of potential this plugin has, right? Or, or an app has. For example, everything, if you create a WordPress website, if you create a Shopify website, if you do anything, any platform you take, that has a top 10 use cases. For example, a WordPress web, when somebody builds a website, they, they may use a form, a contact form. Okay. They may use an appointment. They may use an e-commerce system. So these kind of use cases are like top 10, top 20 use cases of that ecosystem. And if that plugin is somewhere in, in those use cases, like it is not very niche, then it has potential, right? So first check, right? What kind of potential that plugin use cases, what kind of people will use this? If it is just like a utility, very small, very niche kind of use case, and even if the product is great, then you won't find that many buyers, point number one. Second is the plugin or the app which you are going to acquire, if it is bringing more revenue to their customers, for example, an e-commerce merchant can increase their revenue. For example, with a post-purchase, post-checkout. In, in WordPress, mostly, if you see, the top performing plugins are mostly marketing plugins, right? Like the ACO plugins, the pop-up plugins, right? The analytics plugins, so, which can increase the revenue indirectly. So that helps a lot. Means that tells that this product has potential. So to take another example, in our portfolio, one of the most revenue generating is the, the QSM, the QS and Survey Master. And that becomes like a lead generator for the people who purchase the plugin, right? Who use those plugins. So that is a marketing plugin in a way. So, so this is the second thought process which goes. And third is obviously the revenue numbers, uh, the ask price, and then where the seller is from. Means these things, you, it gets ignored. Right? But 
I, I tend to look at them because there are some countries where you can't do transactions and, and if, if it's like a straightforward, like a taxation problem is not there, then you can do the transaction, right? These things should be ironed out early in the process. And one of, there are some nuances, which is very important, which I have found that how open the seller is in terms of discussing their details, right? If the seller is saying, no, we will sign, we, once I have an LOI, I'll, I'll, I'll show you those, I'll, I'll show you that. I, I, this is a big red flag, right? I, I don't go forward with that because uh, means you have already signed an NDA. What is the problem in showing me numbers? If I ask questions, why do you have so much hesitation, right? Then you immediately have a big no-no, right? So you want to have an honest guy selling this stuff, right? You don't, you can't just be in 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 the dark buying for a 50k or a 100k kind of product, right? It is doesn't really make sense. And yeah, I think we can obviously every topic has its own tutorials, right? On internet. So what kind of churn numbers you are looking for? What kind of revenue you are looking for? What is the potential in terms of how can you chart from current to let's say three years? So when can you get your ROI back is something obviously there in everybody's mind. And the last point, which I will say is the tech stack, right? Because not every uh, tech stack is supported by you or your team. Let's say you are a solo founder, you are just building on your own, then you obviously will want to buy uh, whichever language you are not going to learn a new language just because of that startup. So for us, it is means the whole team is PHP, MySQL, Vue.js kind of tech stack. And so we don't go into, let, let's say, Ruby on Rails or a Node.js, completely Node.js kind of environment. So we don't go there at all. So that, that itself stops acquisition talks for many startups. So I hope I was not all over the place and this has some, some value. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And what I'm curious about is when you're talking about these top use cases for a given ecosystem, is it just your experience in the ecosystem yeah. or do you have some more structured process? Because I can imagine that you can do something with keyboard tools, right? You can just look WordPress, then look at nope. keywords, but you don't do that. Nope. And if you think, if you see WordPress, right, the, it doesn't, the revenue of a plugin is not correlated to number of active installation. And the reason is people don't pay for anything and everything, right? They pay for the, uh, the solutions, which they think they, they want to pay, right? Their, their business requires a solution and they are searching for a solution and they, they found that solution in your plugin and they can pay for that. They, they won't pay for anything and because, and, and the, the way how it works with the ecosystem is how you converse with them, right? And this is where I started that WordPress is something more closer to my heart. The reason being, I have been associated with this ecosystem for last four to five years. And I know, means you know it by heart now, right? Because uh, when, when people talk about it, this plugin, that plugin, everything is in, in, on top of your tongue, right? Rather than you're thinking about it. So for a newbie, if they want to get started for myself, I'm a Shopify newbie. So if I want to get started with Shopify, what I will do. So I, excuse me. So I recently started an e-commerce site, a dropshipping site. I started doing Facebook marketing, all everything manually, right? And then you start thinking like a Shopify shop owner rather than an app developer, right? And then you start thinking, oh man, this interface, I, I, I wish I could have done that. Oh man, means uh, there is no proper app for syncing between 
uh, a Shopify orders and a Google Sheet, right? I want to give that Google Sheet to my order processing people, the backend people who can look at that sheet rather than going back to Shopify orders screen again and again, which takes a lot of, and then you try a bunch of apps. And then eventually after one week, two week, few months, you figure out that there is a gap in the system. So it doesn't matter how many, how saturated a market is, there will always be an opportunity uh, in terms of having a good quality app, or, or filling that gap. And every time there is a new feature, right? So suppose WordPress has a new feature called, and now the whole thing changes and the, the people are divided into two parts. One, one group wants to go into the block editing route and another, another group wants to remain with the legacy route. So what we did is we jumped, obviously we jumped on the new trend and we created a new theme for WordPress and that is just a block theme. And it is getting really good traction because not many people are doing it. So you, you see where I'm going with this, right? WordPress is a saturated platform, but that they did a new thing. And in that new thing, you can jump on that and then build on top of it, right? Same thing with Shopify. They did an online, I, I think the 2.0 storefront, right? And that changes a lot of things. So you can build themes on top of it. You can build apps on top of it. So things like that. And we are now building a, a tool for Shopify app developers where they can track their keywords. I think there is only already a tool, but that tool has short shortcomings, right? So our tool will be really easy to use. At least that's what I think. And so you can track your apps uh, going up and down, right? So things like that. And the funny thing happened when I did Shopify dropshipping, right? So in India, there are not many drop shipping reselling apps. So let's say in uh, AliExpress, and there are many overlook in, in, I think in US, but not many in India. And even if there are, they are not integrated with Shopify. So I built a quick little hacky software where they, it, it can face the Shopify order and then place it in the reselling app, let's say. And I, I posted that on Facebook group, and then people started saying, I need this software. Right. So, so you, you can find uh, use cases everywhere. You just need to be engaged with the software, the community, the ecosystem. So I'll say join Slack groups, join Facebook groups, follow people on Twitter, do, use that software for your own purpose. And then you will get to know about it. Yeah, this is, I love that. So you put yourself really intentionally in the shoes of someone who might be your ideal customer. And then you just, yeah, try to do the thing this person is trying to do. And I guess you did something similar back in the days with WordPress, because obviously you built sites and bought sites and tried to do all kinds of stuff. And this is how you got some insights and were able to assess the potential of a given plugin. Ah, okay, this makes sense. People buy it because it solves this problem. I know this problem because I had it myself. And now the same thing, but more intentionally with Shopify. Yeah, this is amazing. This is a great strategy. Yep. 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 And when we started around four years back, I, I didn't tell you that uh, we built a marketplace for WordPress plugins, exactly the clone of Invato, right? It, it, it was called extendify.com. And we completely failed in that. But then I quickly realized that obviously the, the world doesn't need another marketplace. So when, and this is also a re reinstatement uh, of the fact that you keep building and you keep failing. And eventually your internal AI, the machine learning internally, right? They will, it will figure out that what you want to build next. You just have to don't give up. That's all. 
is that's worked for me. I think if you look at all the Twitter accounts out there, all the all the people who are doing businesses, they are mildly or greatly successful. They will tell you the same thing. Yeah, just keep shipping. Exactly. No one can predict with 100% accuracy what will work. No one can. Yeah. Uh, so you just have to try and test how the market responds. And yeah, that's that's totally true. I'm not sure how you're looking in terms of uh, time because we scheduled only half an hour and we're already over time. Yeah. But this was really, I, I, I learned a few things and um, being completely honest, buying buying a, a business is something I've, I've wanted to do myself. So <laughs> really great to, to hear your lessons just for myself. And, and one more tip I'll go below, uh, before going. If you are, because we didn't discuss about buying when you're starting small and then you don't want to put, even though you have a lot of money, but since you are not sure you are, this is going to be your first business, buy a small business, obviously maybe a small ticket size, but my experience is don't buy a pre-revenue startup. <laughs> so that means that is a recipe for disaster unless you are really sure and you have a strategic vantage point that this product will help me in my bigger portfolio if you are starting small and you are going means you are really unsure whether this product is going to at least have some kind of 20 30 paying customers so that the product market fit is there that this product is selling and that it can sell yeah this makes sense because otherwise you don't really have an advantage right over just starting from scratch and building an MVP is usually not the bottleneck, right? There are so many options how to build stuff quickly and easily. So you don't need to buy like these starter sites or whatever they are called. Right. Uh, yep. Yep. And then it means you, even if you're a non-tech founder, right? You can yep. uh, hire people on Upwork. Uh, there, are, there, there is another discussion we can do how to find great people on Upwork, but uh, means you can build your MVP. So believe yourself and, but don't buy pre-revenue startup. You are back to square one because you started with pre-revenue without a startup and by buying a startup with pre-revenue, you still have zero revenue. Means this may be unpopular opinion, but this is my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. This makes, makes sense. So. Real quick, what's your top tip for finding good people on Upwork? Because I've struggled with this myself. <laughs> test them. Test them, right? Uh, give them a paid, paid test is what my strategy, and it has worked really well. So okay. you prepare something really uh, uh, close to what you want to do. Let's say you want to build an MVP, right? So you give them a test for building a scaffolding app or a login, logout simple login logout and or you already have an app give them a task to change something in that app let's say you want to add a search function you want to add maybe a, a profile function whatever right it can be anything so you give them a smaller just just write it down to a small task of let's say two hours and give them a paid task so let's say you hire 20 people for this paid task and then you spend, let's say, $20 per person or $50 per person. Eventually, you lose $300 to $400, but then at the end, you have two, three guys who are really, really good, right? So that is something that has worked out for me really well. Really well. Yeah, um, definitely good advice because people will always tell you they can do anything. And <laughs> in most cases, it's not true. The only way to find out is, is yet test really if they can do what they're telling you yeah thank you so much um, for taking the time and walking us through your process it, i really learned a lot and appreciate it yeah thanks for having me jacob this i believe it or not this was my first podcast 
to be on so thank you for having me